Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Den North. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the leaders here that occasionally gets roped into doing this thing. So if you've been here for at least a few weeks, if not the whole summer, then you know we're in the middle of a summer of Sabbath. So our sermons for the whole summer have covered different facets of Sabbath, um, how it's going to take practice, how it's a communal thing, um, the ways that it can renew us spiritually, how Sabbath requires mental rest, you know, a few different other things. And then even in our small groups, we've been talking about Sabbath, really talking and practicing. So we've talked about how Sabbath calls us to stop and to rest and to delight. And spoiler alert, this week we'll talk about how Sabbath involves worship. Also, as small groups, we've been practicing Sabbath together. We've been doing Sabbath meals every other week, trying to make that a special time where together we can uh, practice Sabbath and think about how to bring that out the rest of our lives. So if you're in a small group, um, I just want to really encourage you to take this opportunity that we've given you to practice Sabbath together seriously. I think our goal there is to carve out a little bit of space in your week that's already scheduled so that you can experience Sabbath. And hopefully that will give you some margins so that you continue to create Sabbath in the rest of your life. So please, you know, take that seriously and join us in practicing that. So today we'll be talking about Sabbath and work. Um, so I wanted to start with giving just a little bit of context of where I've been at with Sabbath and where I'm coming from with this. So. I'm not a professional minister. I've never been paid to do that. It's not really ever been part of my job. I've always been a, a white collar professional. I sit in a chair for my job for 40 hours a week. Um, so probably like a lot of you, work is a big part of my life. It takes up a lot of my time, a lot of my thinking, and has a lot of influence over me. And maybe sometimes I have a lot of, a little bit of influence over it, but it's, it's a big part of my life. And in that way, I'm in the same position, I think, as a lot of you. And probably like a lot of you, Sabbath wasn't really a thing that was on my mind before the summer. Um, I read the book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which may have planted some of the seeds that led us here. Um, but other than that, Sabbath isn't something that I've really considered. So I'm here with you in this journey trying to figure this out. This summer has been the first time I've really practiced Sabbath. Um, inconsistently, but it, even in, in some way, trying to make it part of my life. So I think like probably a number of you, a, a shrinking number of you, I have really good excuses to not do Sabbath because I have this really busy life where I'm not married and I don't have any children and my life promote or my work promotes a fairly good work-life balance. So there's a lot of like good excuses there to, to not Sabbath. But somehow I got really good at filling up my life with work. And I think for me in particular, like spiritual work or ministry work, even to the point that that is in the past been replacing my relationship with God. And that is not where Sabbath is supposed to lead us. Sabbath is a, it's a medicine almost, a, a practice that will lead us away from that. And when you're in a place where not just your work for money, but your work for God and your work for everything else has so filled your life, then you're not experiencing the rest in life that God wants for you. And that is very much the place that I've been in 
was in several years ago and have slowly been like working my way out of that. And I'm really thankful that we're talking about Sabbath this summer because I think to me it's, uh, it's another practice or step in figuring all this out. So thinking about this idea of Sabbath and work has been really challenging for me because work in my job and outside my job has been my number one excuse in avoiding Sabbath. So I'm here with you trying to figure this out. How do we balance work and Sabbath? How do we shift things around or change things so that Sabbath can be a part of our life? Uh, I want to acknowledge that as a person in my type of job and stage of life, that I'm obviously like an expert on all of your lives and all of your jobs and how everything fits together. And, you know, all my advice is going to apply perfectly to all of all of your lives. So please, you know, if you can look past any practical differences in what I'm talking about and how it applies to your life and don't let that cause you to just ignore the heart of God behind the scripture and behind what might be said. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to get going. Lord, we just thank you for the gift of Sabbath and the fact that you command us to rest even when we don't want to. Um, we pray that you would, yeah, just speak into our lives and give us a vision for how rest fits in there and lead us into that. Amen. All right, so before we talk about work, I think it's important to remember why we're talking about Sabbath, or why we want to practice Sabbath. Um, I think we should always be trying to remember this because it's so easy to think about Sabbath in particular for the wrong reasons. So why, why Sabbath? Um, is it because we're trying to put relaxation back into our weekends and reclaim them as times of rest? Um, or just generally the time outside of work where we dissatisfied with how that's going so we need to make it better? Were we trying to like improve our vacation game, maybe like competing with the Garzas to make sure we're having like really good vacations? <laughs> Is that what we're doing here? Or, you know, maybe the, the playlist on Spotify that is called Totally Stress-Free, like, just isn't doing it for us. Like, <laughs> we've been listening to that nonstop, and we are not stress-free yet, so something is not working here. Or, you know, maybe this is about finding that idea of, like, a perfect work-life balance, like that thing that is sold to us so often, and we haven't found it yet, so maybe... That's why we Sabbath is to find this work-life balance. So I think as we Sabbath, we may find some of these things, but we can't put these things as like the goal or the reason why we're Sabbathing. So firstly, as a church, we are here to grow in our apprenticeship to Jesus. We are here to be with Jesus, to do what Jesus did and become like Jesus. And we believe that Sabbath is a practice that Jesus did that he leads us to, and that he will meet us in. So let's look at a few couple examples of like the life that Jesus talks about offering us. In Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then in John 10, he says, I have come, they may have life and have it to the full. So 
We want you to Sabbath not just to get a break from work or life, but to experience the kind of full life that Jesus has to offer, to trade in all of your heavy burdens for his light ones, and yes, to find rest for your soul. That should affect the way you work. It should affect the way you rest. It should affect your entire life. And, you know, some of these promises of rest or relaxation may be tied up in that. Sometimes they may not be, and that's okay. The point is to go after Jesus and find this light, gentle life that he offers us that will redeem and change our world and us with it. So that's our goal. Then let's figure out, like, what is this work that we're talking about? Um, I joked with myself, like, is it even possible to stop work? Like, what is work? Can we, can we possibly stop it? So first we have to acknowledge again that not everyone's work takes the same shape here. My small group is probably half made up of people who are either teachers or students. So like they have the summer off, like they should be Sabbathing like multiple times a week, right? They don't have any work to do all summer. But I think we know that's not true. Like work is much bigger than just what we do for money. But I think we need to start there that work is the labor that we're paid for. So we get Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. Be careful to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. Do not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female slave, your ox or donkey, any of your livestock, or the resident alien who lives within your city gates so that your male and female slaves may rest as you do. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So most of us, I think, in our jobs, our work, have like one, two, maybe more days off each week. Um, so that should be easy, right? An easy, natural stopping point for work. But like, has anyone here ever experienced like having a day off work? And then you have like a list of like work to do on your day off work. Yeah. Yeah. That, so obviously this is bigger than that. Like we can't just say, I'm not working for money. I need to stop doing that. But also I need to like feel the like classify these other things and figuring out what else here do I need to stop for Sabbath. So we're going to look at Matthew 6 for some clues about what else we might consider setting aside for Sabbath. Uh, Matthew 6, 25 through 34 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, 
Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. So, I feel like there's a general, maybe, principle we can pull out of here that if you're worried about getting it done, or feel like it needs to get done, that it might be something that you should consider setting aside on the Sabbath. But let's like dig in a little more and think about what that might look like. So if we take um, what Jesus is saying, like, so don't worry, saying, when will the dishes get done? Or how will my house get cleaned? Or who is going to do these chores? Or I just remembered that I need to order something. Um, I think that the having like Amazon or other things on our phone where literally anytime 24-7, I could think of something I need and order it. It's like so convenient, but maybe like is actually not that helpful to us because we've grown used to this idea that we can meet our own needs anytime we want. Even on Sabbath, that stuff doesn't turn off. We have to decide, okay, on Sabbath, I'm not going to take that action to meet my needs. I'm going to rest in God meeting my needs on this day, even if the convenience is there right in front of you. Um, we might also, he might also tell us like, so don't worry, saying, if I don't do this, then I won't be ready for something happening tomorrow or next week or in the future. There are many things that we do because we look ahead at the, the coming days or weeks or months or years and we think, okay, I need to do this so I can be ready for that in the future. And I think God calls us to set that aside on the Sabbath. Um, we do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. So if there is something you know, that you're struggling to set aside on Sabbath, or you're not sure if you should set it aside on the Sabbath. If thinking about stopping that will lead you to take a look at your needs or face your worries and insecurities about getting it done, um, then it could lead you to deeper trust and hope in God. And if that's the case, then you probably should put it on your list of things not to do on the Sabbath. So, yeah, to to put that succinctly, like if stopping something causes you to to face your needs, to face your insecurities, and if doing that will lead you to trust God, then don't do it. Put that on your your not list for the Sabbath. Sabbath is an opportunity to set aside the different ways that we care for ourselves and tend for ourselves, um, and put those in the hand of God. Put those in. God's trust. Now, maybe, uh, I don't know, if you, it should be an obvious like caveat here, is that like, don't starve yourself, like, don't die if you're a parent, take care of your kids. <laughs> like, Jesus makes it like super clear that it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath and to show mercy on the Sabbath and to take care of others on the Sabbath. So um, this is like no license to like, not take care of yourself or not take care of others. This is looking at 
those pieces of work that like sit around in our head or maybe sit around physically in our house that we really feel like we need to take care of, but it's going to be totally fine if we don't take care of them. We just haven't put trust in those things in God yet. We only trust ourselves to take care of those things. And Sabbath is an opportunity to move that trust from ourselves to God. So, have like, hopefully, a little bit of an understanding of like what this work is in Sabbath. I understand maybe there's some like gray, fuzzy lines around it. I think that's like totally fine. I think Jesus would be okay with that rather than like a very black and white strict definition of work. So if we can think of our work, then we think of Sabbath. How do we go about like fitting these two things together? If they already were fitting together naturally, then we wouldn't even be doing this sermon series. Like <laughs> we wouldn't be here talking about this because we'd all be practicing it. Obviously there are like issues that we have with fitting these things together. So I want to look at um, the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. This is a story that Jesus tells, kind of giving some insight into how people respond to his words and his message and incorporate it into their lives. And I think we can learn something here from about four different like ways that we may like respond to Sabbath and bring it into our lives. So, yeah. Uh, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever his ears, let him hear. So we'll skip ahead a little bit because this like isn't very discernible on its own. And the disciples were like, hey, we don't get it. And Jesus is like, okay, let me tell you what this means. So listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces the crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Um, I wanted to say something here about gardening and how maybe like a future sermon series should be like all about teaching us how to garden. Because I've been like practicing gardening recently and it's helped me understand some of these parables. Like actually seeing plants grow and where they don't grow, getting my hands in the soil. So if you want to like better understand what some of these parables mean, I highly suggest starting a garden and keeping it for a few years and seeing what works and doesn't work and then coming back and reading these things. So we're going to talk about like four different stages of Sabbath keeping. 
And this is kind of where the meat of anything practical I talk about is going to be. So the first stage is I reject the Sabbath. So I've decided that I have too much to do or it's too difficult to make time for the Sabbath. So I give up before I really start. And I think this really aligns with the people that Jesus were talking about where they hear the message of the kingdom and they do not understand it. So the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. So I've been in this stage probably most of my life, which is why I haven't even tried to practice Sabbath. And I'd characterize it as that I don't really get what Sabbath is or what it has to offer. This is probably when I thought Sabbath just meant like very like austere, boring, not doing anything, which just sounds like it is nothing to give to my life at all. So I don't understand it. I don't understand why I would Sabbath. And I compare that to everything else that I need to do in my life. And my understanding of Sabbath doesn't stack up at all against what I think I need to do. If I really understood what Sabbath was offering me and what Jesus is trying to do through my life, through Sabbath, then I would see that it becomes more important than all these other things I need to do. But because I don't get it yet, I don't understand it, um, becomes very low priority. I have to do all this other stuff. I don't see how Jesus is going to help me through the Sabbath, so I'm not going to do it. And besides, my life is like, it's mostly been fine without Sabbath. Like, it gets kind of crazy sometimes, and sometimes a little out of anxiety and busyness, but mostly like, I can make it through without Sabbath, so I probably, you know, don't need to worry about it too much. So, if this is like you, if you feel like you're in this place, no judgment at all. I've definitely been in this place a lot. And I think maybe something to this just general parable of the sower is that when you're like planting seeds for plants or gardens, like not all the seeds go in the same place. Some of them go in different places. So it's possible that if in your life there's been like a hundred seeds of Sabbath sown, that maybe a lot of them have landed here, but not all of them. And maybe some of them have landed in the other types of soil. And, you know, we can change our soil and we can change where these, these seeds land. So don't feel bad if you don't get Sabbath, if, you, if it doesn't make sense to you. It's no, no judgment. It's just a place to be in that you can grow from. So if you feel like this is you, then what I would suggest doing is really thinking about, like, what do you believe Sabbath is? Um, what do you believe Sabbath has to offer your life? Like what change do you think Sabbath will bring into your life? And then looking at like the broader picture of literally everything else that you do on a week to week basis, ask yourself, what do you believe is more important or more urgent in your life than Sabbath? But kind of get it out, out of your head. These two almost opposing forces of Sabbath and the rest of your life. And then I would suggest meditating on Psalm 23 and Matthew 6, 25 to 34, and just ask God what he wants to teach you about his rest. I don't know that this is something that we can like intellectually overcome. I think if it was, again, we would all be Sabbathing because Sabbath is like literally one of the Ten Commandments that I think intellectually we think, okay, that's like a high standard, but the reality is 
that's like not enough evidence for us. So I think God really has to do a work in our lives to show us that, hey, you need this. I've got something better for you than the way you've been running your life. And let me show you what that looks like. So the second stage of Sabbathing would be, um, I fight the Sabbath. So Sabbath sounds good, but I know it isn't compatible with how I, how I live my life. So I don't change anything, and it's a constant battle to make time to rest or Sabbath. I think this aligns really well with the, the seed that falls on rocky ground. Someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but they have no root, so it only lasts a short amount of time. So I, I know I need more rest, but I also think or know that I can't stop any of my work. I can't set anything aside. So I'm just going to like try to like fit these two things together. So take this thing that's never fit into my life, fit it into my life where there's no space for it and not change anything. So like just cram everything together and probably eventually go crazy or more realistically, just give up on Sabbath because it's not going to work if nothing changes. And I think this is also a place where I am often in, often a place where the seeds of Sabbath land for me. I look at my life and I'm like, I don't know how or really want to give up these other things in my life. So maybe I'll try to like fit Sabbath in alongside these other things. And then usually what happens for me is I just get overwhelmed at the idea of even trying to do that. So I'll make like two steps forward and then three steps backward and just give up on the idea entirely. Um, I think it's also worth noting here that this could be a seasonal thing. So if you just had a child for the parents out there, or, you know, soon to be parents out there, you may find that your life falls in this category, like your Sabbath practice goes to this stage for a little bit. And I think that is fine if this is like a seasonal thing. I think our life has different seasons that are temporary and we don't have to let that define our entire life. I'm sure that Josh and Emily are probably really glad that like the newborn phase of kid raising doesn't define the rest of their life as parents. Like that would be insanity. And I, God is a good father. He doesn't do that to us. There are phases of life that are hard, but that's not like our entire life, the same kind of difficulty. So if this is you, if you feel like you're trying to like cram Sabbath in with everything else and not willing to let go of anything else, um, it is worth thinking about like, is this a seasonal thing or is this a phase of growth as you attempt to get Sabbath in? It could be a temporary thing you're moving through. Um, but I think it's worth considering the questions of like, what things are you not able to stop? What do you feel like you just cannot give up? And what are you so worried and anxious about getting done? And then for each one of those things, really considering why are you worried and what will happen if they don't get done. And then I would take that and again, meditate on Matthew 6, 25 to 34, and ask God to speak into your worried tasks. There's much that could be said for each of our like practical things we can't let go of. But again, in the end, Sabbath, going into our life or our life changing around Sabbath is a work of God in our heart. 
and him reprioritizing and shifting around our worries and insecurities. And we have to go to him first before we begin some of this more practical work to understand what he even wants us to do in our lives. So the third phase, and probably good to, to say that in my thinking, like these are not like linear phases, like you have to go through each one because this one's like pretty negative. I don't think everyone goes through this, but I think I have. So I think it's important to bring up this idea of I use Sabbath. Or in my case, sometimes it's I use work. So Sabbath, or maybe work, becomes a tool that I, becomes a tool or excuse I use to avoid or cut out responsibility so that then I can fit everything in my life. And I don't mean like good responsibility. I mean like avoiding the good that we know we're supposed to do that God is calling us to do. So I think this is the seed that falls among the thorns. Um, the person who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. We know that God's word has been unfruitful if it leads us to um, not love God and not love our neighbors. So if our response to Sabbath in cutting things out leads us to leads us away from loving God or away from loving our neighbors, then we may be using this gift that God has given us in a way that it was not intended to be used. And this is kind of like the, uh, it's the path the Pharisees really went down, where the Sabbath is a tool for controlling other people and probably for like avoiding doing things that they knew they were supposed to be doing, but they didn't really want to do. So if you feel like you're in this place again, no judgment. Um, I do think this is like a more negative place to be in, but I've been in this place. For me, it is often more about work than Sabbath, using work as an excuse to avoid conversations or avoid dealing with things. Um, and I think Sabbath becomes this easy way, like, well, I've got to, you know, fit work and Sabbath into my life. So I can just like not go help this person with that thing or not do these other things. But it's a, uh, it is incredibly clear by the way Jesus acted on Sabbath that we cannot avoid doing good on the Sabbath. God desires mercy, not sacrifice. And our, if our sacrifice on Sabbath comes at the cost of like other people and their well-being or serving them, we are, we're out of line. We're not doing what God is calling us to do. So if you feel like you're in this place, then I would suggest making a list of the things you find yourself saying no to in order to fit Sabbath and work into your life. And then ask yourself, do any of these no's lead you away from loving God and away from loving your neighbor? And if they do, then I would recommend repenting of those and confessing that to someone else. And then I would suggest meditating on Matthew 12, 1 through 13, and Matthew 23, 23. So then the last phase of Sabbathing, I think the thing that we all should be like looking forward to and working towards is that I'm changed by the Sabbath. So the Sabbath sounds good, and I know it's not compatible with how I live my life. But as I practice Sabbath, I reflect on why I live my life the way I do, and I let Sabbath lead me into a different way of living. So this is the seed that falls in the good soil, um, the person who hears the word and understands it, the person that produces a good crop. And kind of going back to like the broader seed and soil, 
metaphor. When I'm in my garden, um, it's possible that I get to like pull weeds or I can like fix the soil so that I know next time when I plant something or plant a seed, it's better. And I think God leads us through this process of fixing our soil. It's not like a permanent landscape where the seeds fall. Um, he's calling us to, to change these things, and he wants to do that with us so that when his word is planted, it becomes this beautiful, fruitful garden full of the fruit of the Spirit, full of loving God, full of loving other people. And I think we'll know that we've gotten there when our Sabbath is really marked by this feeling mercy from God and extending this mercy and love to other people. And then that is like flowing out into the rest of our lives. So if you feel like you're in this place or getting this place, then praise God. That's awesome. Please, uh, you know, share that with other people. Talk about how Sabbath is changing your life with other people so that we can be encouraged. And so together we can see the good work that God is doing in your life through Sabbath. Um, I would also suggest, you know, continuing to think about what is an attitude or belief that makes Sabbath difficult or makes letting go of work difficult. Um, meditate on the Lord's Prayer, particularly your will be done, your kingdom come. Think about how that belief is like contrary to those things happening. Um, then pray that over your life, your kingdom come, your will be done, and ask God to lead you in changing your heart. Okay, I got a couple other, um, these are like kind of miscellaneous clashes of modern work and Sabbath um, that I'm going to talk about, and then that will be, that'll be it. So, the first one, I think at some point in wrestling with the Sabbath, some of us may come to the conclusion that Sabbath just isn't compatible with my work, or my work just isn't compatible with the Sabbath, and we have to figure out what to do with that. I think in some cases, that may be a irreconcilable difference that we have to live with. If you have a job, let's say you're a teacher, and during the school year, work is like really hard, then during the summer, you get an extended period of rest. Maybe Sabbath does look a little different, and maybe that job isn't incompatible with Sabbath, but um, you just have to like maybe be a little more flexible with it. But I think sometimes we may take jobs that truly are not compatible with Sabbath. And I think we sometimes we haven't like refined our work, our moral ethic that we use when we pick jobs. So all of us, I think, do have some sort of like moral guidelines that we use. So um, I think all of us would probably agree that we would not take on work that supports human trafficking. That would be like a very black and white, like moral guideline that we would follow. Um, some of these things are like a little more gray, like would I consider working for like a defense contractor who maybe supports war, maybe sometimes doesn't support war. So there's like a little more ambiguity there, I think it's not as black and white. I think when it comes to Sabbath, that's probably like not even on our radar when we're looking at jobs, but maybe, maybe it should be, or yes, definitely it should be in some way, not maybe. Um, 
but we're going to look at the, the Ten Commandments just to like consider this idea of applying God's law to jobs and how we, how we pick them. So as I talk through these, think about like, would you take a job that causes you to break one of these or where you're supporting other people breaking one of these? So this is from Exodus 20. Um, Do not have other gods besides me. So maybe with the source one, it's already like problematic because working in like the capitalist culture, like we're supporting money and success is like this God. So maybe all of our jobs like kind of already do that. I definitely feel this tension for the past seven years. I've worked in like Silicon Valley startups or around those startups where success is like the king. And I remember one of my jobs, my boss had posters up that said like, you know, if it's not meaningful, like, why would you, why are you here doing it or something like that? And I remember thinking like, well, if I took that seriously, I probably wouldn't be here working at your job. Like <laughs> I'd be doing something else, but you know, that, that is the mindset in a lot of the world. But I think for us, we're not going to take a job that explicitly requires us to like honor another God or honor another thing above God. Um, do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow and worship to them and do not serve them. So again, like we would not take a job that explicitly asks us to do this. I think implicitly we sometimes end up in this work again because we live in this weird world where idols and worship aren't called that. They're called other things like entertainment and success. And sometimes we may get caught up in, you know, supporting those things. But if someone asked us explicitly, like, hey, are you okay with your job causing other people to like worship football over your Lord? We would probably say no, like that we wouldn't be okay with that. Um, do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Yeah, I don't I mean, maybe some of us would take a job that like requires us to use profanity and use the Lord's name in profane ways. But um, in general, that's not something that we're going to be like looking for. And I think if we, <laughs> if there, there are jobs out there, I'm sure that would require that or would do work that is like dishonoring the name of the Lord. And I would expect that for all of us, we'd be able to see that and decide, okay, no, that's not that doesn't work with my, my ethic. Um, honor your father and mother so that you may have a long life in the land that your Lord God has given you. Like, come on guys, obviously we're not going to take a job that requires us to like dishonor our parents, even if we don't like them, like that's crazy. <laughs> or a job that like, where we facilitate other people dishonoring their parents. Come on. That's like, that's easy. Um, do not murder. Like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> like, there are jobs out there. Like, there are whole criminal enterprises where this is part of, like, how people make money. But as people of God, it's very clear that we are not a part of those things. Like, we do not endorse murder. We don't do that at our job. Same for do not commit adultery. Like, it should be very clear that we, as Christians, would never work in, like, um, adult entertainment or pornography or sex trafficking or anything like that, like that is completely contrary to what God wants for our world. Um, we would never do that. Um, do not steal. Yeah, 
again, we're not going to take like illegal jobs that require us to facilitate stealing or we're stealing from other people. Hopefully, hopefully we wouldn't do that. Um, do not give false testimony against your neighbor. Yeah, so we're not, I don't think any of us are going to take a job that requires us to help other people lie or for us to lie to other people like that. That should be an easy one also. And do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not cover your, covet your neighbor's wife. His male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This one, honestly, maybe is a little more gray. I think sometimes in our world, the jobs we take do cause us to be a little envious or jealous of other people in an implicit way as we see the way that jobs affect other people's lifestyles. But again, if this is like one of our responsibilities to be jealous, if that's like in the job description, I think most of us are not going to apply for that job. So the one I didn't, the one I left out until the end is like, remember the Sabbath day. Do we consider Sabbath when we look at jobs, when we think about the responsibilities of the job and the weight that the job carries? Do we think about how our job affect, or how, yeah, how our job affects other people's Sabbath? Does the way we work support other people taking Sabbath? Or do we work in such a way that maybe causes other people to have to work more and kind of like decreases the margin in their life so that they cannot take Sabbath? Some of this comes down to maybe the type of job that we take, but some of this may also be the way that we actually go to work. Um, I am bad at putting boundaries around work when I'm at work. Uh, I took a new job about five weeks ago and I've been like, just very engaged in it. I think I could work through lunch every day if I allowed myself to and probably work late most days. I'm just like super, super engaged and I choose to do that sometimes. And that, that choice is like contrary to this idea of Sabbath. I need to be better about choosing to put boundaries within my workday and around my work so that I can have the energy to do Sabbath. If I come to the end of the week and I'm like exhausted because I've been going like 150% at work all week, then I'm not going to be able to Sabbath. So that's a choice that I need to be making so I can Sabbath better. Some of us though maybe need to work a little harder at our jobs and need to make sure that we are like pulling our weight and doing all the things that are given to us that way our coworkers don't have to work extra. And so they can go home and be rested and take their Sabbath. So both sides of those that need to be addressed. We, we need to be doing a responsible job at work, but not an overly responsible job at work. Don't over-engage. Or if you're like me, honestly, like, don't use work to cope with negative things that are happening in your life. When I'm stressed, I work like, I don't know, twice as hard at work as a way to like get that good feeling of accomplishment and those good endorphins from doing work. Um, but that is not helpful for Sabbath or rest or balancing these things. If anything, um, yeah, if anything, I'm putting work in the place of God and asking my work to take these stresses or anxieties from me and to give me good feelings and success and accomplishment in return. Um, yeah, that was kind of my other thing I wanted to briefly touch on was 
for me, it's like, is work your coping mechanism? But for other people, it may be like, is work the thing that you look to explicitly and entirely to meet this need or that need? Are you taking the needs of your life that should be met by God and putting them on your workplace? Because if you are, it's going to be very hard to let go of work and do Sabbath. You're going to set up work as this God that's like essential to your life and essential to meeting your needs. And if that's the case, then how can you let go of it? How can you set work down? You created a dependency, a worship on work that wasn't meant to be there. And Sabbath is there to help us break those things, to set the world right in the way that it's supposed to be and to put our attention rightly on God. So if you, um, yeah, if you feel like that might be you, or if you're not sure, maybe it's worth paying attention to, like, as you go to work on days that you are needy or stressed or anxious, how does work affect your attitude about those things? Do you come out of work on the other side feeling, like, very assured or calm or feeling, like, much better about your needs? If you do, it's very possible that you've taken work and elevated it up to a place where it shouldn't be. And that you're, you're letting work, you know, soothe your heart and mind in a way that God is supposed to be. So if that's you, highly recommend repenting of using work to satisfy your need for peace and hope in place of God and practice the Sabbath. Do the, the hard, difficult, painful work sometimes of fitting Sabbath into your life. Jesus talks about this idea of we need to lay down our lives if we're going to pick up his cross. We need to deny ourselves to pick up his cross. And again, Sabbath is an opportunity to do that, to deny these different parts of our lives that we've elevated above God so that then we can put him in his right place and live the life that he has for us. So that's all I've got. Um, I'm going to pray and then hand it over to whoever is doing announcements. Um, Lord, Again, we thank you for Sabbath and the gift that it is and just that you offer us a better way of doing life and a better way of doing relationships than we're used to and then the world offers us. Uh, I pray that throughout the summer and just the rest of the year that you would continue to work Sabbath into our hearts and minds and practices and, yeah, continue to change our lives through it. Amen. Brian already gave us a lot to think about, so I'll try to be very concise, but <laughs> I felt like I was being led to share basically a confession of sin or all this stuff. Um, I've been in that place of like fighting Sabbath where it's like intellectually and emotionally, I'm like persuaded that this is like a good thing, uh, a beautiful gift from a good father. And I don't have any like real logistical barriers to practicing it. Um, so if that's, if you're not in those places, I'm not talking to you. If you're not so sure that it's a good thing that God's calling you to do, or if you have real logistical barriers, then this is about me, not you. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, so I was like, man, this kind of, it, sorry, I'm trying to get my thoughts. I don't very often find myself with something repeatedly coming to my attention in my conscience and then just be like, ah, eh, but I'm not going to do it though. 
So I've noticed that in myself and I've been like, hmm, I'm not really sure what to make of that. Uh, and then last night, I feel like the spirit kind of spoke to me and said, like we have, whenever you know what wisdom is and you clearly recognize it and you choose not to do it, we have a word for that and it's called foolishness. And it's not something that you want to trifle with. <laughs> like don't entertain that in your heart. It's not like cute or funny. And it, I don't feel like he was being like overly stern or harsh or anything like that with me. I thought it was very gentle, but like direct. Uh, and so I was like, okay, even though like the scales haven't totally tipped to like, I want to do this now, I'm just going to go ahead and start doing it because I don't want to entertain like foolishness or stubbornness or arrogance in my heart. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that really resonated a lot with what Ryan was preaching about. I just wanted to share that response. So thank you. Thank you, Ryan and Grant. Um, Ryan gave us a lot to think about, and I'm a big, big fan of going back and listening to sermons a second time, even though I didn't miss it the first time, um, because that's a regular problem, but it's also because like someone put a lot of work into this, something Ryan's been working on for weeks, just thinking about, and I know I'm not gonna catch everything the first time, but the amount of time he's been praying and thinking about what God's putting on his heart to share with us. So I'd highly recommend that we have people who work pretty hard on making sure that we get the recordings on our podcast. So I highly encourage that unless you're just like really good at paying attention and take amazing notes. But I think, you know, 99% of us need uh, a second pass to really hear what God wants us to hear specifically. And uh, so I'd really encourage you to do that. I'm going to do a quick version of announcements because we're running a little short on time. But the men's breakfast, we made a decision about where it's going to be. It's next Saturday at 9 a.m. Guess what? We're going to do it at Chiloso. Why not? We were like, you know, why not switch it up a little bit? We've, a few of us have been there in the mornings before. They have like good breakfast, but it's like a ghost town. We can just take over that place, okay? They don't, they don't see it coming. They'll be so excited. They'll be like, never see anyone until like noon. So anyway, 9 a.m. Chiloso, come hang out. Um, join us. We're going to be hearing a good devotion and also just getting to eat some yummy food together. So please don't miss it. Um, the Hausman and Smith meal trains. You guys have heard us talk about these. They've been posted a couple times. Please sign up for them if you have not already. If you're not a chef, you can just drop something off some some uh, food from a place that they like or door dash into them or whatever. But uh, let's be a church that really loves our people in a time of being able to help them just practical needs. So uh, let's do that for them. Then uh, the baby shower for Darby Drew and baby Cleveland is coming up on August 5th. Yeah. Um, from 10 to 12 at our house. Details, I think, are, are they behind me? Okay, it's okay. You can post them. I was like, I was too scared to look. Um, yeah, so please RSVP, let us know if you're coming to that, and uh, let's really surround them and love them and help them with what they need. So um, the all, oh, all nice. nice. There we go. Aw. So cute. Um, the all church for Sabbath meal we're going to have together on Sunday morning to close out this sermon series is going to be on August 13th. So please drop that on your calendar. Everybody bring something you love. And we'll get to share, break bread together, and then we'll sing a few worship songs at the end. But we're just going to get to hang out and enjoy time together. So the last thing is our family of churches ice cream social swim party. I've done like a pretty hard push both times. So I'm going to give you a break this week. Then go right back to pushing it really hard next week. So just get that details on the calendar. Do not miss this event. Please, 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 please. Last thing is giving. You want to give a one-time donation or yes. Oh, y'all you you signed up already? Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice.
He's got it. He's got it. Everyone knows they're doing something for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, where's the team for the fall? We can go talk about it a little bit. Where's the team for the fall? If you're someone who has helped first review in the past, we want you to sign up again. Is that correct? Yes. Tell us you still want to help. And if you're someone who hasn't, but you'd like to get involved and learn more about that and stuff, please sign up. This is a, a re-up basically for the year for this fall. So we're not going to assume that if you've helped in the past that you have the capacity this time. We'd love for you to. We want everyone who has the past to do it again. So just know that this is not just a sign up for new people. This is for everyone who wants to help with worship fall. Is there anything important? Oh, yes. Especially percussionists. What else we need more of? Yeah, Sean, I've known him to drum on his leg in the car. So if we could get a car in here and you know, Sean sit to the driver's seat, I think he could do a pretty good job. Put him in his element. Anything else? Um, giving give one time donation or recurring gift to our church and the needs of our church and investing back into you to become apprentices of Jesus at DentonNorthChurch.com slash donate. We're also on Venmo at DentonNorthChurch. And I think Kurt's going to close us in a prayer. We'll be out of here. Go, Kurt. Uh, thank you, Ryan. Also, I'd like to just uh, say thanks for uh, sharing this morning and just really challenging us. I know it is, like Brent said, it's, you know, it's a fact sometimes, but words, it's like everything. What's my saying? Never, never give up. Never oh. give up. Same, same with you. Same with the Sabbath. Uh, same with the Sabbath. Never give up. Just keep trying, keep working on those things that you're fighting with or uh, that are, you're struggling with and just uh, let God have it. Let's pray. God, just uh, thank you for uh, our time together. Thank you for this community. Lord, help us uh, in our struggles and our things that um, we're dealing with this Sabbath and just trying to implement some of these things into our life. Lord, we know you implemented this thousands of years ago for a reason. and You want us to be a part of that. And Lord, help us with that. Help us to be better with that. Help us to overcome some of these things that we struggle with and that are um, hindrances to our life. And a lot of the times, Lord, just because of us, we, we confess that. Lord, I just want to lift up uh, Mackenzie, Mateo, and Maddie as they are moving on and for their next chapter of life. And so just help us to encourage them as they move to the next thing in their life. Uh, Lord, I just pray for uh, Joe's and uh, infection, Lord, that you will continue to heal him. I pray for our focus staff as they prepare for this school year, Lord. Uh, just uh, continue to give them the wisdom and strength as they gear up for this next year, Lord, that they will uh, love and point many college students this fall to you. I thank you for Kingsley and Owen, Lord, and just those families, and uh, we thank you for their uh, coming into our world and being a part of our church community. And I just want to pray for the teachers that are getting ready to start back to school and our counselors and everybody that's going to be helping in our schools. Lord, and I just pray for our safety in our schools, Lord, this year in our cities and everywhere, Lord, that um, your light and your peace will um, be a part of our communities all over the world. Lord, thank you for loving us and being our God and Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a good day. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.